0: Hey guys, Jack here. Thanks as always for tuning in. Uh, before the episode begins, I have a quick
1: announcement from Zach. Hey guys, Zach here. Looking to get some action on a weight loss bet. Trying to get my body fat percentage lower. So if there's any sharps out there that want to make some money or lose some money and help me lose some weight, shoot me an email at Zach at just Hands Poker. don't know the exact terms yet, but I'm looking uh, to just lower the body fat percentage so there's no way for me to kind of game it and just lose a bunch of water weight at the end so want to help me out want to make some money shoot me an email hello zach hello jackson how are you doing doing well just kind of reflecting on the main event what could have been if you're watching scott blumstein take it down
0: yeah what could have been is you could have ran like god for eight days <laughs>
1: <laughs> or like ran pretty well for seven days and then ran like god at the final table
0: <laughs> yeah, that would probably do. Do it you watch hard. much of the main? Not a lot. Uh, I watched some. I watched a decent amount of the three-handed and heads-up. It was interesting to me. Like watching poker is just like a little bit too boring to do by itself. So I, I definitely think it's a lot of fun. Like when you're playing poker and then also you have the main event on the background. I think that's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, um, I was I was watching the the heads-up while playing. Right, So that was fun. <laughs> That's
0: a lot of fun. I think just like sitting by yourself in your house and watching it, it just, it moves a little too slowly for me. As uh, interesting as it can be those guys. I mean, they're just really taking their time, really trying to balance their, like their timing, which I think is absolutely right. And it's what you should do. And I would do exactly the same thing, but I can only do so much. Like, does it look like this guy's actually tanking or does he already? Know? I mean, I basically know like, if they're tanking for real or not for real and just spending like 35 out of every 40 seconds, like trying to stare at someone and think like, okay, does this person actually look like they're tanking or not just to try and like, you know, uh, build up that intuition that just kind of wears on me after about five minutes. So
1: for sure. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. So, I have a hand for the main event for my day one table that I'd like to talk about. A little bit of background. I get an amazing day one draw. There's one what seems like very good kind of Swedish pro who's two to my right. Uh, one to my right is Jerry Yang and then a variety of amateur players in the other seats, three of which I would classify as like very desirable to be at my table. And two, like, you know, definitely happy they're at my table. They're probably just going to play, like, too tight and fairly straightforward, but not just be giving it away. Yeah. Um, so all things considered, that's pretty good. But by this time, two of the people that I was really happy were at my table were gone. I didn't get their ships. And they were both to my, like, left. Like, one to the left, two to the left. And they were both replaced by, you know some poker players with a little bit of experience you know a few millions and online and tournament caches each so it's kind of kind of a tough day one two-thirds of it you know Yeah, uh, just two too good one the guy who was my direct left was super loose and aggressive to the point where like you know i there was many hands that i saw that were just like objectively like not played well but just trying to like Take high variance lines to like run up a stack, you know. So that's that's no fun to have sheer direct left. <laughs> no, yeah. Sure uh, so my my day one strategy is like, listen, you know, let's try to get in pots with the amateur players, and probably just like, you know, pass up on a lot of like marginally plus chippy V spots against some of the better players, especially out of position. Um. So not sure how relevant this is for this hand. So in this hand, it's against Swedish Pro. Shout out to Johan, who might come on the podcast. Uh, it's folded to him on the button. And while it's good that he's two to my right and not to my left, it means there's a lot of button big blind stuff going on, which is no fun. <laughs> so he, he makes it 750 when the blinds are 150-300 with a 25 ante. So this is level three. And I call him the big blind with A7 offsuit. Don't think there's really anything to discuss here. Folding would be like
0: folding would be pretty
1: terrible, given the price we're getting, and (laughs) we're gonna have much better three betting candidates. Okay, so there's 1850 in the flop, and the effective stacks are about like 60k with myself being the effective stack. He probably has like 110 at this point. He's been running well, playing a lot of hands, (laughs) and it goes check check. On the Ace of Diamonds, Seven of Diamonds, Eight of Spades, I think there's an argument in a cash game for leading here with top and bottom pair on like a you know somewhat draw-heavy board, but uh, for the reasons described the before, to keep kind of my variance a little bit lower and to not get involved in as many big pots with very good players in position, I think you know if it wasn't already a clear check, that makes it kind of a slam dunk check.
0: Checking with the intention of check raising.
1: Yes. Yeah. Sorry, that wasn't clear. Yeah, versus like versus like donk, donking.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a good hand to check raise, in general. I don't think you need to have a, a leading range on, on a side board. Uh,
1: yeah, for sure
0: against this player. So you check, and he checks back.
1: Yeah. So now we're going to the turn. There's eighteen fifty in the pot. Fifty. 55 K or what did I say at the beginning? Was it 55 or 60 K? I didn't write it down. It's something around there. It doesn't come into play. A lot of lines, uh, behind and the turns the six of spades. So now it, the board reads six, seven, eight ACE with two diamonds and two spades. And I think I should be leading here, not check raising.
0: Yeah, I think certainly. I don't think, I don't think your opponent's going to be betting that much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, most of the hands he'll so, be holding will be either hands he's giving up with, that he gave up with on the turn or the flop, or hands that were sort of too, too weak to value bet, uh, but too strong to bluff, roughly. I mean, that's sort of an exact description, but I don't think either of those hands are super likely to bet now. <laughs>
1: okay, yeah. I also think, like, you know, he's going to be a very good hand reader and know that This card is definitely much better for my range than his. So, I think maybe some hands that he was checking back the flop with the intention of value betting the turn, this card will make him more wary of that.
0: Uh, I'm curious why you think this card is so much better for you.
1: Well, I think that I'm... Well, yeah, never mind. I was thinking preflop raiser and defender in the big blind. I wasn't thinking button versus big blind. We both have a super wide range here.
0: Yeah, I mean, you might have everything you defended with, which is super wide, so this card doesn't really affect that very much. I actually think this is a pretty good card for his range. <clears throat> Not, like, so good, but maybe slightly better than, like, your average card. Like, I do think he might have all 8-6, eight, six, 7 six, maybe some hands like 9-8, which picked up equity, 7-5 picked up equity, 8-5 uh, picked oh. up equity.
1: And because I'm probably a little bit under-defending my big blind, like, he has all of these offsuit combos where I don't. Yeah. Uh, okay. Maybe. I don't like, know. I'm, I'm like, probably, I'm probably folding 7-5 offsuit. You know, I'm not folding 7-6 offsuit. 8-6 uh, is going to be close. I'm probably going to defend with it. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sold now. I mean, I think... I think it's it's a pretty neutral card, but probably slightly better for his range, just given how aggressively he's going to be opening the button.
0: Yeah, I would I would just—the one thing I feel pretty confident about is that it's not better for your range. Uh,
1: agreed. Agreed. Got me convinced. But I don't think—it uh, doesn't
0: really matter that much, because you have two pair, and I think you should just bet it. One, mm-hmm. because I, all of a sudden, I think your hand needs a good amount of protection. I think there's plenty of—your your opponent's going to have plenty of open-ended straight draws— that you would like not to be able to check back and
1: realize their equity. For sure, yeah. So I bet 1,200 into 1,850. What do you think of that sizing?
0: I like it. I mean, yeah. I think it's a good sizing.
1: Yeah, I think against most opponents, I would normally go bigger, but something I try to think about a lot when playing against some of these elite, you know, much more experienced opponents than I was just Trying to have balance in my sizings and, and really taking the time before I bet and thinking, okay, what sizing would make sense for also the draws in my range, which is, you know, something I'm obviously like aware of and like put it, think about when I'm studying poker. But given that I mainly play like live, you know, relatively low stakes cash games, I'm not thinking about balance as much.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think with a hand this strong and on a board where you want so much protection like I would consider betting bigger I definitely would not bet smaller but I think this mm-hmm. sizing is, is fine like if you're going to have one bet size with your whole range I think this would be a decent sizing to choose um,
1: that's but, what I was thinking
0: but you know like we I think it's reasonable to have a range that bets bigger and it could be balanced uh, and it, I think it would include a hand like a7
1: here Anyway, okay, sure. So he calls fairly quickly. I don't know why I wrote down fairly quickly. He did everything quickly. Don't read into that. (laughs) Uh, So the river is four thousand. Sorry, the river is the Queen of Clubs, and now we have four thousand fifty dollars, four thousand fifty. You know, chips in the pot. So basically, a complete blank with the Queen, and now the action's on us. And what are you thinking here, Jack?
0: I mean, first of all, I'm thinking that this card is a really excellent event for us. Like, I think... I actually think our opponent picked up a decent amount of two-pair that we still beat with this card, and it didn't really turn any of his hands, other than Queen's, uh, into a hand that now beats us. I don't expect to get raised very much at all. So I think it's a question of bet ourselves or check raise. I think... With this hand, given that we block some of the two pair of possibilities, uh, I don't think those would, necessarily would have raised us on the turn. I'm trying to think what that means. I I guess I, I really don't think you can go that wrong here. I don't mind check raising. I don't mind just betting. I guess if you want to keep your variance down, I would just go ahead and bet since we, I think we can call check raise. You mean but, call, call a raise? Yeah, sorry, call a raise. And I think getting three bet would be pretty shitty. Yeah, Uh, agreed. But I don't think you're getting three bet very much.
1: No, I don't. But you know, for the reasons you described, um, in terms of like this queen being great, and that I think, like, he definitely has all every suited like queen two pair combo, queen six suited, queen seven suited, queen eight suited, Um, and the fact that this doesn't complete any. Draws, I think this is a very, very good card for us. Arguably one of the best in the deck. Um, against his range, at least. And at this point, I want to give a little bit about the game flow. So in the first kind of 40 minutes of the main event, I found myself in a spot I was trying to avoid, but kind of found myself in just like three-betting light, blind versus button, and then barreling flop, check-raising turn, and betting large on the river with air and he tank-folded uh, the river. And so far, I haven't really been playing a ton of hands. I've been playing probably probably the tightest frequency at the table. Not that I've been playing like uber-tight, but just, you know, the sample size is only like four and a half, five hours at this point. But I think, you know, he's going to be perceptive. He's going to be watching this. He's going to have seen that I made some big bets before and haven't gone into showdown really just in that pot with him. And I also overbet bluff Jerry Yang, but didn't get to go to showdown. So he's seen that I've overbet before, or at least bet large in like polarizing spots. And I think I just basically always have the nuts here with a seven. Like occasionally, you know, he has pocket Queens and just rivers, rivers a set. Uh, and maybe occasionally he has some combos of ace queen, but I highly doubt it. So I opt to bet six K into fourth,
0: Forty-fifty. I like that. I actually think, with a little more reflection, I don't like check raising, since I, I think your opponent, I think he might play really well against check raise. Like I don't. If I thought he was always going to be calling the check raise with Queen Seven, Queen Eight, then I would definitely be more prone to go to a for a check raise. But I think he might exploitively fold those types of hands against you, which I I think would be a pretty good. Uh, even though I think you're going to be more balanced than most opponents, and you could check raise as a bluff here sometimes, you're probably you're probably unbalanced towards value in the main event uh, in that spot. And so I, I like going for the overbet yourself, since I think it's much more plausible that you're going to be bluffing, you know, taking that line, and you might get. I, th- I think all those two pair hands are definitely going to call the overbet, and I don't think they would overbet themselves. And I don't, not sure they would have called the check raise. So. Uh, the sum of those assumptions is that you should go ahead and bet yourself, bet a large sizing, and I
1: I like overbetting. Great! Um, Yeah, kind of talking... In the moment he tank-folded, he probably took about two minutes, similar tank to what he did in that earlier hand. And, yeah, definitely talking through it makes me feel like I I took kind of the best line here. And something I thought about while you were saying, how you played perfectly against a check-raise, you know, on the turn... I think a lot of the opponents we're used to playing with are going to be under-bluffing there, you know, in terms of checking back flop and then, like, picking up equity and raising the turn. But that's not the case for him. So I think that just lends more credence to over-betting here because he's not going to have as many, like, you know, misdraws than maybe the average opponent we're used to playing with and kind of subconsciously, like, factor into when we're constructing these betting ranges.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of his check raised bluffs will have a pair you
1: you mean you mean raises sorry sorry
0: yes bluff raises on the
1: river we'll uh-huh. have pairs yeah uh-huh
0: yeah like a a six four a six five a nine mm-hmm. six I think it makes or nine six might have been the flop, but I actually think a form of risk aversion that seems reasonable to me in tournaments is Opting to bluff with some of your lower equity bluffs and check back some of your higher equity draws.
1: Yeah, to keep variance down. Yeah, keep I variance down. We'll yeah,
0: and I could imagine like some combo draws or those types of hands checking back, and some of those will have missed or might have just a pair and have played in this fashion. Anyway, I, I like it. I think the only line that might be better would be just betting like two thirds pop. because if he's going to exploitively fold to an overbet, also. Then it would have been better probably to bet two thirds pot. But I like the overbet. I like the idea of it. I think people seeing you overbet more often, even if you are value heavy, is just going to be good for you.
1: Yeah, I've happened to not be value heavy. I've happened to overbet twice with bluffs. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then so I guess I should but, realize that you should, you know, that makes it a lot more likely that you're going to be bluffing here so yeah, yeah like exactly
1: like like so it. okay great well he's just such a beast that he probably folded his two pair or something i don't know nah, i don't think <laughs> no obviously not
0: i yeah. think he probably folded a king eight type hand something like that mm-hmm.
1: or maybe like yeah a, i think he, maybe, probably, probably like he was definitely eight,
0: a ten eight, eight which is, has pretty good blockers but it's not that great
1: he probably was tanking with definitely a hand that is would be an exploitable call.
0: <laughs> maybe. Although I, I really wouldn't like be shocked if he had what was probably a standard call and considered overfolding to an overbet.
1: Uh even with even with the history, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's like a pretty good way to play against most players. Especially in the, especially in the, main, event. the main, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I like it either way. Alright. Well played. Cool, thank you.